This is the Alone With Our Principles podcast, episode seven. Pardon my French. I'm Chris Mauger. And I'm Eric Land, and we're both elementary school principals, baseball fans, and pop culture aficionados. On this episode, we chat with two more elementary school principals, Ben Skinner and Tom Kirk, to discuss the importance of parent communication and building positive relationships. Alone With Our Principles is unofficially sponsored by Wood Chips, because cracking your skull on hot asphalt is so 1975. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. You've got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. So far this semester, he has been absent nine times. I'm the principal, man. All right. Well, welcome back for another episode of Alone with Our Principals. We're excited. We've got uh, a couple of new special guests and also a person that I'm getting ready to introduce who has joined our team. Uh, her unofficial official title is producer yes. of the podcast. We feel so official now. We That's have right. a producer. Uh, but we're ready for the big time. Absolutely, man. We're, we're going, you know, we're, we're taking it all the way now. But uh, Miss Carrie Lewis is our new producer slash fact checker, editor, and, uh, and everything else under the sun. So um, we're excited to have her. Well, thank you. I think I'm going to have my work cut out for me. That is not a lie. Um, <laughs> what could I, possibly go wrong? I, I have mean, no idea. Keep you, it up will be quite the job. You won't need to fact check anything. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. we're right about everything. It's Absolutely. already started. I got to say our wood chips um, fake ad here kind of reminded me of my first uh, injury in school. I was in third grade. Uh, and of course, in 1975, um, there were no wood chips on the playground in New Jersey. Are you kidding me? Um, so we were on one of those merry-go-rounds um, that would now be outlawed for a number of reasons. Death traps, basically. Yeah. yeah. And um, so John Pizzolato was the biggest fifth grader at Parker School in New Jersey, and he was on push the merry-go-round duty that day. And third grade Chris, weighed probably about 47 pounds, uh, was sitting on the merry-go-round, and this sucker was going and going and going, and I flew right off of that and landed on my head on the blacktop. Chris, that explains so much. Uh, yes, <laughs> it probably does. <laughs> so I went to the nurse's office, got my ice pack, um, sat there for a little while. She sent me to class. I walked up two flights of stairs because there was a three-story school, so now I'm in my third-grade classroom with Mrs. Fedak, and... Um, Sitting there on our little carpet swatches uh, during reading time, I threw up. So at that point, uh, she sent me back to the nurse's office, and and I got to go to the emergency room and had a concussion. So that was um, my experience with merry-go-round. So it's nice to know the teacher was properly trained in concussion protocols. Exactly. She knew that uh, throwing up. <laughs> Nowadays, was not a I'd, good be, sign. I'd be isolated for a week after you know go through the whole quarantine, yeah. CTE protocol. So for sure. Hi Tom. Hi Ben. Hey. How are you guys doing? Good. Now you two worked together at some point, correct? Yeah, we actually worked at uh, Lime Street for a number of years. Um, we were on the same grade level for a few years. And then uh, Ben, I believe, left. So so basically, uh, I think we worked together for five years. And then I oh, moved to uh, Mesa Grande as an assistant principal. And actually, before that, you were assistant principal here. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. So Tom and I worked on the same grade level. Then he became the assistant principal. And I left and was an assistant principal of another school. And then uh, we, we met back up a couple of years later. And um, Tom was the principal of Crystal, and I was the assistant principal, and, and got to 
um, opened that school together. So I worked there for a couple of years together. I'm a, you know, as a current principal, and so those that don't know out there in podcast land, we're recording right now at Lime Street, so it's a bit of a homecoming for these fellows, and, uh, you know, it's kind of neat that we, we kind of joke around that all roads lead through Lime Street, because right. if you look across our district, how many folks that went on to administration and other things. That seems uh, very true. At least one point, I mean, I know you two, just off the top of my head, aren't the only principals who previously taught at Lime Street. I know KP was one of them, I know that there's probably others, so it's kind of a cool legacy for this school. Yeah. So what was it like opening Crystal together? I mean, opening a brand new school, that's not an experience that a lot of people get. Scary. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a blur at this point. Um, a lot of communicating with people because um, there's not like a book you can read. Like, this is how to do it. You know, there's no YouTube video to watch. So it was consulting um, other principals that had recently opened schools. Um, a lot of visiting other schools. We did that. You know, we went on some tours of other schools and other places kind of get ideas. Um, had a town hall style meetings, okay. uh, which was interesting. Okay. Yes, um, many of those. You, you know, it, it was interesting when, you know, we're really trying to to let the community know what the school's about and, you know, are people interested in coming. And so in, in some sense, you felt like you're trying to sell the school, but at the same time, some of the questions that would come your way um, were just interesting. And, and it, was, uh, it was a little daunting because we were, Kind of wondering, are we actually going to have enough kids to you know fill yeah, the school? Yeah, we had no idea how many kids would start there, and and then by the time I left, the enrollment was up to like eight hundred seventy-five. Wow. So it was. And so it's probably fair to mention for those out there that may not know. So at that time, when it was being opened, it was being opened as what we would call like a choice school, right? So this was not necessarily a neighborhood school where Correct. kids were going to be assigned. So that was a different dynamic you guys had to look at. It was it was a bit of a recruiting yeah. process. Nobody right? had to go there. Right. Yeah. And so there was that piece that was like, gosh, what if nobody shows up? What if nobody yeah. wants to come? Absolutely. Yeah. So that was, that was yeah. a daunting piece. So. Yeah. We could come there on the first day of school and there'd be no kids and we would have no job by the second day of school. So <laughs> Yeah, I never thought about that, but yeah. that's, that's that's different than opening your average neighborhood school where you're just going to reassign kids and they're going to go. But uh, was it one of the things I always wondered about, was it kind of like, uh, you know, like when you buy a house, did you guys have to like decide on color schemes and furniture yeah. and what are we going to put in the classrooms and all those kinds so, of things? Uh, some of the color schemes um, were already picked for me. By the time I was hired onto the project, it was the school was still... Um, just the wood frames. So, you know, we, you, I, would, I would drive by and, and kind of keep up um, progress on the wood, on the building of the wood frames. But the, the carpet and the walls, that had already been picked out for me by the mm -hmm. district office just because I was hired later in the process. Sure. I was able to pick out the tile color and scheme of the cafeteria kitchen. That one I got. That's your legacy. That's exciting. <laughs> yes. You know, the, the, the yes. scary part about that, though, was you were given a, well, it's called F&E money. Uh, so you were given a finite number uh, of dollars to make sure that you have everything in the school. And what you don't realize is when you have to buy phones, you have to buy um, pencils, chairs, chairs uh, mop buckets, <laughs> and I mean, all of really those quick, things, all it? of those Library things books. And wow. if you overspend in a certain area, uh, uh oh, we don't have a vacuum. You know, I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's better than uh, no room. It was we don't have carpet. Right, right. And um, this was also 2008, which was yeah. the like the lean times of the economy. Yeah, yeah. So there wasn't a whole lot of money, but we made it happen. Yeah. So it sounds like sure. you guys have had. Uh, so we've got a lot of experience in the room right now. Um, for sure. That'll come in handy for sure. And it's neat that uh, we've got you guys that have experience working together. So um, that'll kind of help us move along. We swim, we rise, we fall, we meet our fate together.
All right, so now we're going to enter into the what we like to call the quiz. I know it's a fancy name, quiz portion of our, our podcast, but it's pretty straightforward. It's just to help our audience get to know you guys a little bit better. And so we're going to start with uh, our, our same three questions that we always ask. So I'll start with the first one. And uh, Ben, I'm going to start with you. So can you tell us a funny or memorable expo- uh, story from when you were in school? You know, mo- most of the stories that I think of are the ones that are probably traumatic. And so, um, you know, a lot of them relate to me getting in trouble. And so I, I just... I <laughs> we all collectively laugh because we know Mr. Skinner very yeah, well. I, and, uh... I, I seem to have gotten a lot of trouble. And um, I do remember Mrs. Geckner in sixth grade in Wendell Elementary School. Um, Where is this? Uh, this is in southern Idaho. Okay. And... Um, she was upset with something I was doing, which was probably uh, justified. <laughs> and um, so in those days, you would stand and, or, you know, teach, the teacher could send you out in the hall. And so these were indoor schools that had hallways. And so she sent me out to the hallway and told me to put my nose against the wall. And so I stood with my nose against the wall in the hallway. And it, it just seemed like a long, long, long time. And so I've got my nose against the wall. All of a sudden, kids, you know, come in and out. Bells ring in and out and so forth. And it, the, the classrooms had doors on the outside to, to leave the classroom, but they also had them going into the hallway. Well, I, I feel like my, my knees were about to buckle. I, I just, I felt like I had, I, I could, I could still smell the paint on that wall. And all of a sudden, the teacher comes out. And I, it was very, very quiet. And the teacher comes out. She's like, oh, my goodness. I, have you been out here this whole time? It was about three hours, and school was already out, and kids had already gone home, and I was in the hallway. And oh so gosh. Um, that, that was a, a memorable time. But I, I, it was one of those things. My mom was a teacher in the school, and I'm sure had my mom known about that story, she would have been very upset. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was scared to tell her because I didn't want to tell her that I got kicked out of class. And so um, that, that was a, a memorable moment in sixth grade. That was probably back in the day where parents would actually say, what did you do wrong? Yes. Not, I'm going to go talk to the that, teacher. That, that, How dare she? That, yeah, that's, that's right. And, and I, I, I was spanked numerous times. I think that was the last year you could be spanked um, in, in Southern Idaho. So. Well, I'll be the first to admit, I mean, we, we, everybody in this room has been a teacher. And I don't know if everybody in this room is willing to admit there was a time as a teacher where you timed a kid out, yeah. had a kid step out on the ramp, and then had that oops moment like, where's Johnny? Oh my gosh, somebody go get Johnny's in room 25, it's lunchtime. That's better than you were home at 8.30 that night watching TV. Exactly, and you're like, oh my gosh. But I know probably on one, one occasion I would hate to admit that. Oh, that, man, that, that certainly okay. happened. Yeah, but please, please tell me I'm not the only person that the office has said, called and said, hey, uh, Johnny needs to go. His mom's up in the office, and you're saying okay. And you get off the phone, and you want to finish what you were doing before you tell Johnny. And then the office you has forget. to recall. Oh, geez. has that happened to anybody else? I'll say yes. it did. Okay. Just yeah. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> right, Tom. What about you? Funny or memorable? So uh, I just thought of one, and it's probably the. Um, I think the only time I got in trouble in school, I, I was a rule follower as a kid, and so. Um, it was in junior. Notice he said, "As a kid." Yeah. <laughs> in junior high, we had a. I had a math teacher. I don't. I truly don't remember his name, so I'm not even. I'm not trying to protect anybody. But it was at Magnolia Junior High in Chino, and uh, we used to have. Uh, we used to do uh, paper bag book covers, where you'd have to make a book cover. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The grocery yeah. store paper bag, and, <laughs> and you know we were required to do that. And I remember I would write down 
all of the, the annoying things that this teacher said on, on the book cover. <laughs> he was used the same phrases over and over, and the one that still speaks to my mind is touch base. He always wanted to touch base. And so, didn't like the guy, so he had a sub one day, and I, the, the time I got in trouble, same class, um, I was, I'm sure I wasn't, there wasn't just two of us, there probably more of us, but only two of us got in trouble. Um, I was shooting spit wads in that class because he had a sub. He had a sub in junior high. That guy's fair game. It's practically yeah. a rule. Yeah, you have to mess around even yeah. if you're a good kid. But the same. But the teacher who I would write the his phrases on the book cover, that was the class that I had to go to the principal's office because I shot spit wads in junior high. So, But I never did it again. Of course not. Yeah, at least not at school. Right. <laughs> <laughs> not where I could get caught. Yes. All right, our second quiz question on the quiz uh, is... What is the best job that you've had outside of education? And we'll start with you again, Ben. Um, probably the best job I had was um, I was a catering manager at a place that I, it's kind of hard to explain, but it was a, a large restaurant, kind of would be kind of similar to like a, um, uh, I, I can't even think of one, but a, a big restaurant that was a brewery and, and so forth. And I had this little uh, building off the side of it called the Stone House. It's actually the oldest building in uh, the state of Idaho. And they renovated this tiny little building into a little pool hall. And so I would actually uh, run this pool hall, but it was a very upscale, nice place. And But it was right off the building. So if people ordered food and so forth, um, I'd just punch it into the computer and uh, somebody from the restaurant would run it next door. And so I just kind of stood there and I'd bartend and, and um, people would play pool during the day. And um, But then at night, particularly in, in December, they just shut this place down and we catered parties for huge companies like Micron, Hewlett Packard, Extended Systems, Albertsons, and so forth for their Christmas parties. So we had these covers for the pool tables and uh, an outdoor barbecue and, and so forth. And so they would um, uh, come in and have you know their 50 employees and so forth. And um, no matter what, I got 17% of the sale. Nice. And so um, basically I would just, you know, if they wanted balloons, I'd get them balloons. If they wanted, and, and so we had our own chef, and I really didn't have to do much other than, you know, organize all this. And um, we actually did a party in uh, Julia Davis Park for over a thousand people at $100 a plate, and I get 17% of that. And I really didn't have to do any of the work other than just organize it. So it, it, it was a good job, and, and I had a lot of fun, but um, it was not fulfilling like, like our jobs yeah. today. So. All right. Tom, what about you? So I worked at uh, a grocery store up in Crestline. It's, if you go to Lake Gregory up in Crestline, there's a grocery store right across called Goodwins. And I worked there. My mom, my dad, my brother, um, we all worked there. And I worked in the, the front end. I was a bagger. And, um, you know, we called it a bagger. I, I don't even know what you call it. You know, box boy. All, all those kind of weird words. And so I, I loved doing that. And then I got promoted to a checker. And... Uh, and then we just kind of race each other, and and you know, and being in a small town, you really you knew every customer, you know, every customer by name, um, same people went in there all the time. Um, but I just really enjoyed who I worked with, and then that kind of that kind of goes hand in hand now with you know, you really enjoy your job more if you enjoy the people you work with. It's a weird, you know, yeah, weird. But it was me and a bunch of you know other teenage boys, and we would 
pull pranks on each other, you know, things I really can't say on the podcast right. that we can talk <laughs> about you. later that are really funny, but you know, <laughs> not appropriate. But it was it was it was just a good time, you know, and, and we still go back there every now and then when we go up there and you know and sadly nobody remembers me. <laughs> you, know, you, you go in there and you you want it to feel like cheers and it's like yeah, don't you know who no, I am? I used I to work it. here. But yeah, no, no. exactly. No. And I think we can all say that about a lot of our jobs. It's <laughs> it's more who you're working with than mm-hmm. what you might actually mm-hmm. been doing. Uh, you know, I worked at a movie theater, and there was just some great stories and some great people there too. So In and Out Burger, man. You know, those of those of you in California know In and Out very well. Well, I guess Texas and other places now, but yeah. you know, the the older stores, which I worked at, like the Double Drives, you were in this little glass fishbowl with like five other people. And so if you had to get along because it was fast paced, there was no time, there was no downtime. So, you know, that, that kind of synchronicity of being in sync with everybody and working as a team, but having fun at the same time, it's, it's pretty cool. So, um, yeah. So our last quiz question, um, I'll start with you, sir, this time, uh, is, uh, what, what about a skill, talent, or hobby of yours that maybe would surprise the students at your school or some of your colleagues? Um, one one of my the the favorite things I like is, is Disney. You know, I'm, I'm a big Disney fan, and um, the last few years I started at Halloween and Christmas time um, using woodworking skills and creating um, like three foot, four foot, six foot characters out in front of our yard oh, wow. and painting those. And we even had a neighbor wonder where I bought them from. So that was kind of cool, you know, because they are they are pretty cool looking and. It's just kind of therapy. It's like after a long day, you can go home, you can cut wood, you can sand, paint wood, um, and then you put them in your front yard with a spotlight, and it looks pretty cool. So Sounds like you've got a whole business set up for when you retire. <laughs> yeah, I, I do I do enjoy it because it just it's just calming. It's just you know, it's you're in there you're in the garage by yourself and you're you know, you're just listening to music and, and painting and if you make a mistake you paint over it. Wood so, is very forgiving that way, right? It you is. Can, it is. It's also can, very expensive. Yes. <laughs> so if you're not using pine, you're going to pay. Yeah. So it, it's it's but it's something I really enjoy doing, and uh, you know I've always when I was a young kid, I wanted to work at Disney as like to make the movies and cartoons and that kind of stuff. So I was actually an art major for a quarter of college, and uh, the art teacher said that being able to draw isn't rare. So after that quarter, I'm like, yeah, well, everybody else can do this, so I'm out. So I, I ditched the art major and eventually ended up with liberal studies and that kind of stuff. So I guess it worked out better. That's kind of cool that you still found a way to, to, yeah, to do that on your yeah. own. Oh, like, what an inspiring teacher. Uh, I know. Yeah. Uh, you're, yeah. not, you're not unique. Yeah. <laughs> everybody else can do what you do. So don't bother. Don't bother, kid. Save your money. Yeah. Way to think outside, but right next to the box. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Ben? Um... So Skill, I, talent, or hobby? I uh, I can play guitar. I, I played guitar for. Um, a I did long not time. know that about you. And uh, I'm I'm not going to do it, just so you know. But um, I can sing a little bit, so I play guitar and sing. And that's good to know. I did not know that. I do remember the colors parody from uh, Ham Spam's event not that's, too long that ago. That was not singing. <laughs> it, it was technically rapping, and yeah. maybe I, I did even... see that on the list, and and it was skipped over. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, 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 yeah, we're going to circle back to that, yeah. but. Uh, no, you've never seen um, Tom and Ben uh, dressed in attire from the from the movie Colors, uh, singing a parody that I believe was called Comets. Comets. <laughs> yeah, Comets. yeah, we did a Comets. whole a yeah, whole Colors good. parody about Crystal because it was a lot of people didn't know about the school, so we did not use that in our town hall meetings. Though. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I <laughs> imagine <laughs> not. It was just for fellow employees. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
Now, I, I just thought of this. How often do, do you get the Simpson reference being Principal Skinner? You know, quite a bit. My, not as much as my father did. Um, okay. So my father was also Principal Skinner. And um, <laughs> so at the, at the time, you know, I, I think it was like Del Taco or something like that. Or uh, one, one, of the, one of the fast food chains had the little toys that they were giving out. And so I can't tell you how many Seymour Skinners were. Oh, I can already imagine. But, oh, geez. Um, usually now, nowadays, it's um, I'll be speaking with a parent and, and say, what did you say your name was? Oh, it's uh, Mr. Skinner. And there's kind of a pause, yeah. and you kind of see a little smirk, and they, they don't always say it, but I know what they're yeah, they're, they're, they're putting it together in their heads. They're like, where have I heard that before? <laughs> Principal yeah. Skinner. Welcome, kindergartners. I'm Principal Skinner. Skinner. All right, that brings us to our main topic uh, of the day, which is parent communication uh, and building positive relationships. I know that's something that's important to all of us because parents are essentially our customers. Uh, you know, they entrust us with their kids. Uh, so it's up to us to be able to communicate with them, to let them know the positive things that are going on. Obviously, we need to contact them when not so positive things are going on. So just kind of want to engage in a conversation with all of us. Um, some of the things that we've learned that are effective, some of the things we might have learned to never do again. Um, but yeah, just our overall philosophy, and we'll leave that to whoever. And I think it, it starts with that notion of being. You know, I, I think it's safe to say that everybody in this room recognizes the power of like starting that relationship in a positive way, right? So making that connection, whether it's personally or through an event or something like that. So I'm kind of curious about what you guys, what you see as your vision or your perspective or some practical ideas on how you try to make sure that you're engaging all your parents in a positive way. So when you have to make those other phone calls or conversations, they tend to go better if you've established that relationship. Well, I found for me, um, especially coming from starting a parent choice school, you know, the, in the first word there is parent, um, you have to be visible, you know, especially at a parent choice school, but with any school. Um, the more you're outside where parents can see you, parents can have an impromptu conversation with you, good or bad, um, the more they see you interacting with kids, um, the, the more they see you caring about student safety, um, the better it's going to go. You know, it's and, because they, they see you as a human with kids and caring about your school. So that, that pays off in the long run. But, you know, I used to have to, I didn't have to, I chose to, you know, you're out in the parking lot, crossing the kids with a stop sign, you're out on the street, crossing the kids with a stop sign. And it means a lot to the parents. You know, the more, the more parents see you, the more it pays off. And they, you know, they, it, it makes you a real person, right? You're not just this person in an office somewhere with a title, which I know for a lot of our parents, sometimes that it depends on their, their own experience with, with school principals when they were kids, right? Mm -hmm. And how they're going to view you. Uh, but it's funny. I just, you know, I have a story just from last week. Uh, and for those that are listening, you know, that we're still, we're still in the middle of a, a pandemic and we're on, on distance learning. And I had a, a, a dad call and a uh, secretary put him through to me and, and he was very upset. He was yelling. He was angry. And his, his, his initial concern was, I can't get all the teacher. She's not calling me back and on and on. So I'm, I'm just listening. I'm hearing him out. I didn't know who this dad was. I heard him out, listened to him. And, and we all know that right, right now during the pandemic, the problems our family is dealing with go much deeper than Right. The initial complaint, right? Because they're all dealing with tremendous amounts of stress and anxiety. But um, right now, most importantly, just listening. But heard him out, uh, you know, made a plan with him. I was going to connect the teacher and, and have the teacher contact him and all that. And at the very end of the phone call, he goes, wait, what was your name again? Oh, this is Mr. Land. He's like, you're the principal, right? I said, yeah. He goes, <laughs> he goes, <laughs> 
He goes, are you that husky guy I see standing outside all the time? <laughs> first of all, it's the first time I've ever been called husky, at least to my face. Second of all, though, it... it well, it, was, it won't be the last now. It won't be the last, no. <laughs> no, I just put that out there. I'm kind of asking for it. But but my, my point is, um, he once he made that connection like he had seen me before, yeah. and he went on, he's like, yeah, I see you out there with the kids, and I see you, you know. He's like, I like you. I like you. Yeah. The conversation ended way better than it started, I think, number one, because I just listened. But number two, once he made that connection to me as a real person, and he had seen me before... Um, I think that made a huge difference. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to assume that that made a difference in the way that he felt like he was heard and being listened to and that we were going to help him. So. Yeah, because a lot of our parents might not have had a real positive experience when they were in school. And I mean, because I assume that, uh, you know, other than Ben having to put his nose against the wall, most of us had a pretty positive experience with education when we were kids and growing up and supporting to us, but not everybody has that shared experience. Mm -hmm. So in many cases, principals are seen as kind of the heavy, so to speak, or that's where you go if you're in trouble. So the bad guy. Yeah. yeah. So unless we actively change that perception or build our own perception that's what we're going to have to deal with and and like you both said that's great i mean being out there being visible so they can put a face to it it's easy for them to yell on the phone at the principal but when they are talking face to face with mr skinner or mr kirk or mr land that's it's a whole different conversation which is another strategy that i always use if a parent is angry on the phone i always encourage them to come in uh, so, you know what, let's make an appointment so we can sit down and talk. Part of that is I just feel communication in person is always better. Um, but also, if they're talking to me as a person, it's a lot, I don't want to say uncomfortable for them, but it's a lot more authentic than them having the opportunity to be sitting in their living room um, just yelling at the phone because that's, you know, <laughs> that's the situation where I like to give myself home field advantage, uh, yeah. so to speak. Mm -hmm. But, it, you know, you can get more done face to face than, than when they're just kind of trying to vent hostility. What about well, you, Ben? I know I, that you're, yeah. I think the the point that you made about authenticity, I think, is a huge piece of that because it's not just about it's it's hugely important to be visible because for the masses, then they feel like that at least they've seen you and then they they know who you are and so forth. But when people are upset and they come in, I, I think one of the biggest things that has been uh, at least for me is that. I view, I view there's a, a, a law called locus parentis. It means when, when parents are sending their children here, um, it's a Latin for local parent. So I kind of view that and take that seriously in the sense that, um, are you fact checking me? Yeah, we're going to check, check on that. that. We're going to check right. your Latin, Ben. Um, <laughs> so, so at the end of the day, I look at the kids as if they're my own kids. And becoming a father was one of those things that changed the way that, um, I, I interact with 100%. people yeah. because I, I definitely, as a parent, you have fears uh, for your kids. You have things that happen to your kids that you are um, frustrated with because they're hurting and you hurt for them. And so when parents come in and they're upset, usually uh, the, the motivation is because they love their children, mm -hmm. right? So to, to not take things personally and so forth. And so I, I really look and say taking time and showing them that you're human yeah. Um, I think is a huge piece. Um, some people are critical about how much time I might take, but that first interaction with parents um, and being willing to take that time, it's the difference between showing up to, let's say, Walmart customer service, where basically they just want to make you happy and then get you out. It really is taking that time to become personal, and we are developing a partnership to help support their kids. When parents know that you listen, take the time to hear them, and then share your own experiences and can empathize with them and create a plan to help their kids, 
I think it makes a world of difference. By the time you, um, you're developing trust and then that, that authenticity, they know that you care. Right? It's not just this person behind a desk who's trying to scurry you out and make you happy. Right. It is, I have built a relationship that I can now call you again if I need you and I know you're going to listen and I know you're going to care. Yeah, listening is really important and I think we've all kind of touched on that and really uh, a strategy, so to speak, that I've kind of come up on the last couple of years uh, is picking your spots when to interject. Uh, when a parent, especially with an angry parent, will kind of segue into how we how we talk to parents when they're not happy with us coming in. Um, but really, over over the last couple of years, when a parent is coming in angry, when they're hitting me with the problems, here's what's wrong. As long as they're doing it mostly appropriately, I try not to cut them off because if you cut them off with each little complaint, it sets up an argumentative situation where they're they're presenting their case. You're getting I'll speak for me. I'm getting defensive. I'm trying to counter their argument, and you don't really get anywhere because it's just combative the whole time. So what I've learned to do after several years, um, I'll just kind of let them go. If they're angry, let them go, let them go. And whenever they say something where they make a really good point or that I agree with or that I can support, that's when I'll jump in and say something, you know what, that's a really good idea. I'll, you know, I'll consider that right now or we'll make that happen immediately or I'll, I'll talk to the teacher. We'll do that right away. Continue. And then... The only input I'm giving them is to support them, and then when they get to the end of their um, presentation, let's say, um, that's when I'll go back and kind of counter the things that I really can agree with. But at that point, they're more ready to listen because they know that I'm on their side because I've agreed with everything they've said so far, at least everything that I've said was in agreement. Uh, it seems to be working uh, pretty yeah. well so far. I'll do the, I'll do something similar, but usually, you know, I've always got this yellow legal pad on my desk because when I have a parent come in as really upset, the first thing I if if we're in here and we're talking, the first thing I do is I'll sit down and I'll grab that and I'll grab a pen, and sometimes just a symbolic gesture of that. And they're, as they're talking, I'm taking notes, and so they know if nothing else, they know that I'm hearing what they're saying because for me, sometimes that's mostly for me though, because when they are finished, we get to the point where you're like, okay, let's let's go back and address yeah. some of your concerns. I've literally got them listed in front of me. And so then it's like, okay, so this is what I heard you say. I want to make sure I understood. Did I mm -hmm. misinterpret, you know, so that kind of back and forth. But yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, it's just, you know, I, I think part of that too though is that what you talked about kind of their presentation. A lot of times you have to be really listening, but also filtering that through your experience because a yeah. lot of times people will come in with a laundry list of complaints but you have to really listen and see sometimes it's a deeper mm -hmm. um, issue that, that, that they may have touched on that issue but basically this is my time I'm upset so I'm just going to unload all of these things that have been bothering me but that's not necessarily really what the problem is if you can really hear and, and get it to the root of the problem most of the time what they're upset about is it, it, not only is it real, but it's real for them and it's mm -hmm. real for their child. And so if you can help them solve that problem and that relationship portion, all of those other things are... More often than not, it's not the initial thing they say to you, right? right? right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're talking about when a parent comes in, how you grab the, the legal pet. I also remember, well, remind myself when you're on the phone to let the parent know, hey, hold on, I'm writing this down. Yeah. You know, so that way they know they can't see you, but they know you're still writing it down. Um, one of the, the, the concepts that I, that I try to drill in the people I work with, because I learned it from a person that sat in this desk when I worked at the school, was relationships, relationships, relationships. You know, it just, it's, yeah. it, that's what it boils down to. If you have positive relationships with parents, it makes life a lot easier. 
And then really quickly, another thing, because um, this has worked to my benefit a lot of times too, is my my office is a reflection of me. You know, I, I have so much stuff up in my <laughs> office. I'll leave it at that. You know, but it's evil all, stuff. Feel it up. Yeah, evil. You know that it's, it's all stuff that conversation pieces. Star Wars, Eagles, Disney, Dodger, but it's it's come into play so many times with, you know, even even there was something uh, I, where a parent was into professional wrestling, and they saw that I had something, and, and he was an angry parent. Conversation piece. You start yeah. talking about that, and it de-escalates a parent because it shows you're human, and you have likes also, and, and you have something in common, and if you have something in common with parents, that helps. I had a parent, a, a dad, that, that I've had a good relationship ongoing not always good. I'm going to relationship here at Lyme for the last several years, and he pulled through. He did a book giveaway last week. He pulled through, and the first thing he said to me was something about the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. He's like, how about them Cowboys? Like, and first of all, I was like, I can't believe he remembers that. But there was a one time in this office, he came in for something you know he was upset about, but he saw, uh, I've got something here somewhere that had Cowboys on, it start, struck a conversation, and he remembered that. Yeah. So, yeah, you never know what that's going to be, mm -hmm. right, that thing. Now, we had one parent who, uh, a dad who would make a point of putting on some sort of Red Sox gear whenever he would come in to visit. And after the third or fourth time, I just looked at him and said, come on, man, that is not a coincidence. You don't wear Red Sox. I said, you put that on just to come here? He goes, oh, yeah, because he knows I'm a Yankee fan. So he, he did that just – and, you know, I thought it was kind of cool that, that he's thinking about that and that he's at least acknowledged the relationship. And he's a great guy um, in spite of the fact that he roots for an evil team. Um, yeah, there was a guy I saw at uh, the Civic <laughs> yes, Center. Yes, Ms. Lewis is a Red Sox fan. <laughs> The Civic Center grass area out there by the movie theater, everything. We were we were there one night when back when you can do things outside, and <laughs> there was a dad there that recognized me, you know, from school and like started harassing me about the Eagles. But but they but they know that stuff about yeah, you. Yeah, it's and, fun. And it's like because I would not have recognized him, but he recognized me, and you know, conversation, relationship, and everything's good. You know, Chris hinted at something earlier, uh, talking about you know when you listen to a parent, you hear their concerns. And sometimes there's things that you can flex on, you can come to an agreement on, and there's times when you can't. So I'm curious to hear from you guys, how do you balance that? How do you negotiate when a parent comes with a complaint? And, and sometimes there are things they're complaining about that may or may not be valid, but there's things that sometimes you just can't, or, or it wouldn't be appropriate to just, I don't know what the word, cave, give in, or comply, uh, because there's things that maybe the parent doesn't know about that require you to do things a certain way. So I'm curious to hear how you guys handle those times when it's like, you know, these are here's things we can do right. to help you with the situation. Here's what I can't do, or here's what we're not able to do. Yeah, I'll I'll speak to that because one of the one of the things that I tell our parents every year at back to school night, uh, and really it's a conversation I have with our staff as well, is if you present us with a problem, if you come in with a concern, if something's bothering you, if something's wrong, you're only going to get one of two possible responses from, from me. Either I'm going to be able to do what you want. I'm going to be able to meet your need. I'm going to be able to make that exception. I'm going to be able to do this. Or if I can't, you're going to get a very, very clear explanation as to why I can't do it. And it's never going to be, um, you made me mad so I don't feel like it. That can never be the reason. Um, you know, I mean, whatever, whatever the reason might be. And it might be, it's going to be a valid reason. It's going to be, that would just be grotesquely unfair to somebody else. It would be unsafe. It would be illegal. Um, but as long as you give them a reasonable explanation, most people are fine. And I've, and I'll tell them, it's like, you can still, you still might disagree. I'm going to tell you why I can't do this. There was a parent who wanted an exception made because their student hadn't completed all the requirements to go on an incentive field trip. Okay. And 
the, the kid had missed one thing. So the parent came in and said, can you make an exception? Well, the answer to that is, yeah, I can make an exception. I can, I could easily say it. And it was a great kid. I would have loved to have made the exception, but I couldn't. And the explanation I gave the parent was, if I do this, I run the risk that there's a, another parent out there whose kid did not complete theirs. And instead of coming in to meet with me and to try to try to get an exception, that parent told their kid, no, you knew what you were supposed to do. You didn't do it. I'm going to support the school. So no, I'm not going to go argue this for you. You should have done it. If I make an exception, I've unintentionally kind of stabbed that other parent in the back without knowing it. And, and that's, and the parent heard that. He says, well, it would still be nice if you made that ex, ex, uh, the exception. But I understand, and they left, and, and it's fine. You don't have to agree, but yeah, one of one of two things, uh, you know, that it gives you some flexibility. Um, but when you have to stand firm, as long as you have a good reason, I think you're you're on good ground. Uh, for me, it's always getting the other side of the story too, because you know, just because you hear it from a parent that may not actually be one hundred percent true. So you know, before rushing to judgment and giving an answer, right. you know, get the other side of the story from the teacher or staff member or something just out of fairness to everybody and then making sure you get back with the parent as quick as you can. I think that would be the worst thing is um, they come to you with a concern and you say, Hey, I'll get back to you today. And you don't. Right. You know, that, right. that would, that would really bother me. Always so, return phone calls by the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, that's, you know, keep your promises, you know, don't, you know, maybe you may not want to promise that you're going to call by 10 in the morning, you know, by the end of the day. Right. But you know, I, I, I will try to get the other side of the story and, you know, lo and behold, there's, you know, three sides to every story. Yeah, I so. get all the information. So, all right. So as we kind of uh, wrap up that topic, let's just go around once. If you had one tidbit of advice for other administrators um, as far as dealing with parents, just one in, in a nutshell, um, let's just go around and, and we'll start with you, Eric. Just one, one bit of advice. Um, I, I think we talked about a lot of it. My my one piece of uh, it's hard to pick just one, right. um, so I'm going to go with two. But you know, you just talked about one, and one is just is listen. You know, listen more than you speak. I you know we talked a lot about that today, and it's, sometimes it's just really hearing hearing what they're saying, but what hearing what's behind what they're saying. I know that's especially appropriate right now because, like we mentioned earlier, our parents and us in this room are dealing with so much more than just school you know, during a pandemic and there's, there's a lot of things that are underpinning the things that are frustrating us and our parents and our families. Um, so it's listening. And then something that kind of, that Tom just hinted at was that idea of giving time, um, you know, more often than 9% of the time, if I have a parent on the phone, um, or in my office for that matter, um, I'm, I'm not going to issue a, a decision or a judgment that moment. It's going to be, because because I'm 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 a deep thinker, so I, even something that seemed really simple on the surface, I'm going to take that back. I'm going to think about it. I might go talk to a teacher, talk to a staff member, uh, talk to a kid um, before I render a decision. But I think um, that also uh, helps the parent know that you're taking it seriously, no matter how small it is. It's like you know what, let me get back and be willing to say I don't know. Uh, for me, it'd, it'd be um, just be visible and just thinking about that with distance learning right now. Um, Anytime you have cohorts coming and going, you know, make sure you're out there um, with social media, being visible on social media, because that's kind of one of our best avenues right now. Um, any any little events you still have where if kids are coming to pick up stuff from school, you know, just being outside and still trying to be visible that way. I would say being uh, human, right? Showing the human side of yourself and, and recognize that we are fallible, that we... We do make mistakes, um, 
and, and that we're, we're human beings and have children and have the same wants and needs for our kids as, as they do. And I think that when they, I think when parents can, can make that connection that there's a human being, there are mistakes that are going to happen, that we're in this together. Um, if they, if you do take that time to build that relationship, I think that it goes a lot better. Um, and I, you know, our jobs are to uphold board policy and, and ed code and federal guidelines and so forth. But I, I think that there's so many gray areas. And so one thing that I've really tried not to do is make cookie cutter, um, uh, solutions to problems. We really want to listen to each individual problem and look mm -hmm. and say what's best for this particular child in this situation. And that dovetails exactly into what mine is. And, and you know, I heard this from a mentor of mine a long time ago. It's, it's better to do right than to be right. That, you know, as long as you're doing the right thing, something that's fair, something that's reasonable, something that you can live with, um, that's going to go a lot farther than just digging your heels and saying, no, I'm right. This is the right decision. This is the rule. Um, you have to give yourself some flexibility and not paint yourself into a corner. Um, like you said, with like cookie cutter decisions or standing too rigidly by something when you could actually be more flexible and build a relationship. So that was a great conversation on uh, parent communication relationships. Thank you guys. I'm a man of respect around here. They love me around here. I'm a swell guy. All right. So now we're moving into the fun extra credit portion of our uh, our uh, our podcast so we always come up with something kind of you know fun wacky crazy uh, stimulate the creative mind but uh, I think we got a good one for you guys today so uh, our extra credit our extra credit question is what is a movie that would completely change the plot if you changed a letter in the title and what would that new movie be about so you change a letter, you know, this reflects a letter or two in the title, right. and then it changes the plot. Um, you know, I don't know, Mr. Mogger, you were you were pretty excited about yours. Do you want to go first? <laughs> I'll start, I guess. Um, I had a couple that I thought of. I thought of Fast and the Curious, uh, which would be interesting, uh, or Pilates of the Caribbean, I thought would be an interesting yoga movie. But the one I settled on is uh, basically one of my favorite movies of all time from the mid-'80s, yes. Top Gun. And I think if you just change one letter of that and make it top none, you've got a whole different situation. Um, instead of being at like fighter weapons school in Miramar, it would be at this convent. Uh, you know, you could have you know two partner nuns, sister, you know, sister Mary Maverick, <laughs> and, and you know, sister Goosey. Would be like a competition. Yeah, they want to be the best of the blessed. <laughs> I mean, doesn't that just make sense? You know, and then you have Sister Kazansky, the Ice Queen. You know, I mean, Iceman. Yes. Is you going with that? I mean, you could have classic lines like, Hey, Goosea, you big nun, take me to Mass or lose me forever. I feel the need, the need for beads. No, nothing like that. Uh, but, but to top it all, now, this might be too obscure a reference, but my, no, my, I know my mom listens to the podcast and she will get this reference. This is Sister Bertrill requesting a flyby. <laughs> oh man! For those of you that might not be familiar with the show The Flying Nun, <laughs> and judging from the fact that it was on in like 1970, 71, um, I don't even know how many seasons. Carrie, get your fact checker ready. Um, <laughs> Sally Field played Sister Bertrill, who was, and I kid you not, the Flying Nun. Now, how that show got made is like I got an idea. Of course, this was like the 60s and 70s, so I think maybe I do have an idea how that movie got, how that show got made. Um, how about a nun, but she can fly? Well, in the in the and movie, everybody in the room went, yes, yes let's do it. it. That's it. <laughs> Sally Field, give her a call. Yeah. So I think in this particular movie, Top Nun, Sister Bertrill requesting a flyby, 
negative black habit, the pattern is full. <laughs> you know, I mean, or whatever her call sign would be. I don't know. So I'm going with top nine. There you go. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't know how any of us can follow that, honestly. <laughs> I mean, mine is much less funny, but, I, you know, I was thinking of, like, you know, Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Jams, you know, so you've got a, it's a story of the guy who invented WD-40. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> he goes around like fixing squeaky door jams and creates a solution that works really? for, yeah, yeah. works for door jams and skateboard wheels and, you know, you name it. So, uh, yeah. Put the oil or the, put the oil on the hinge your baby gets the hose again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, you know, I had some WD-40 with some fava beans and a nice can. <laughs> All right, so so mine is more of a Netflix original series um, called, well, Taking Beauty and the Beast, Changing That to Beauty and the Yeast, which is a baking competition um, of, that starts with 10 of America's next top models, and uh, every week, you know, they get eliminated on their, on their baking skills. And so we, we you know, there's already... Um, Three guest judges in line. We uh, Guy Fieri, RuPaul, and Tyra Banks. You know they would they would judge the baking skills of these America's Next Top Models, and uh, you know there could be um, different Beauty and the Beast characters. You know that could also be guest judges. You know maybe Gaston. Oh, so is Guy, there. Guy Fieri's got to be dressed as the Candelabra. Yeah, they, you know, you can you can go with so many different directions <laughs> with this. You know, a flying nun can get off the ground. I think this one has a legitimate shot. That's right. I, I think you should look any day now because I think Netflix is probably desperate for shows. You'll be so. watching one day and yeah. you'll be like, "That was my idea. Yeah. Why didn't I patent that?" So. I. No one bakes like Gaston. There, Ice's yeah. cakes like Gaston. What was it? Oh, there's a lot of potential there. <laughs> anyway. Ben. What do you got? Well, so, the, I'm not good at these things. Okay. Um, Ben's copying <laughs> off somebody else's answer. So, so, this too is a funny story about school. Okay. Uh, no, uh, this is how I got through college. Um, so, I'm borrowing from Tom. Um, Lord of the Wings, uh, okay. in place of Lord of the Rings, and it would be a movie uh, about it's a competitive eating movie. So, so I like it. That's a good one. That's actually. Right. Lord of the Wings. I could see that one similar to the the Beauty and the Yeast. Everybody loves like, food you know, shows now. Yeah, wing competition. Shows are the thing. Yeah, making wings, eating wings. You know, who doesn't yeah. love the Nathan's Hot Dog July Fourth competition? Oh, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, that's the, that's huge. Oh, Joey Do Chestnut. You get knighted guys. in that. Oh. He gets a belt, I think. <laughs> no, but in Lord of the Wings. Lord of the Wings, yeah. You get like a sword, right? Yeah. A sword and a crown of so some kind. I think kind. it is British. I think it is a British show. So it's going to come out on BBC, Lord <laughs> yeah. of the Wings. Yeah. Well, you have Gollum sitting there with like a garlic parmesan. My precious. Yeah. You have the sequel, Lord of the Fries. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Yeah, yeah you got a whole series here. Yeah. Anyway. All right, well, thank you, uh, Ben and Tom, for being being our guests. A lot this of great information fun. about parent involvement, parent relationships. Uh, that was awesome. And thank you for being good sports about all our uh, typical pop culture madness here. Uh, we would like um, – oh, Carrie, the fact check. Yes, I have a couple for you. All right. So let's talk about The Flying Nun. Yes. I believe – what was the year that you gave? Uh, early 70s. I said 71, I think. You were so close. So oh. it actually ran from September – 7th, 1967 to April 3rd, 1970. Okay. 82 oh, so episodes. Wow, that, that surprises me. That 82? surprises me, too. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
I actually grew up watching that show. I didn't realize there were that many episodes. So right. I appreciate your version as well. And then we have Ben Skinner mentioned. Local. <laughs> Loco <laughs> parentis, I believe. And it's in Loco parentis, which actually means in the place of the parent. So the spirit of what Mr. Skinner yeah, said was and accurate. Was, and I guess the spirit was. That's yeah, probably so, the first so, Latin so Loco, one. not Locus. It's in Loco. Okay. Yeah. In loco. Locust parentis would be the parents of little insects. That <laughs> yeah, that's right. So literal translation, in place of parents. Yes, right. sir. Right. Acting parent, essentially. Correct. You got the concept, though. So but it is Latin. Go. He was right with yes, Latin. Yes, it is. Yes, you are correct. It is Good. Latin. Yeah. And then um, one other little addition I'd like to make, um, uh -oh. of course, if you would let me. Of course. Um, and thinking about the titles and thinking about um, some of your lines that you mentioned about your flying. What was it? Oh, top, top nine. Top nine. Top nine. Negative black habit, the pattern is full. That is perfect. We were thinking maybe more along the lines of negative Holy Ghost writer. Oh. The pattern is full. Oh. oh. Those of you that know, Chris, there's... <laughs> There's just, no, it's kind of incomprehensible, but he did, did not pick that? up on that. How did I miss Holy Ghost Rider? All right, well. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for being here. Tom, Ben, Eric, as You're always. Welcome. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, a lot, lot of fun as always. Uh, so we want to remind our listeners to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the Podbean app. Thank you, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. You're still here? It's over. Go home.